0: Hey everybody, welcome into Mining Stock Daily this Monday afternoon with some market commentary. Uh, New guest, actually, somebody I've been really looking forward to having on to the podcast for quite some time. Uh, Just some general market thoughts here coming actually off that short eight and a half minute speech. Uh, from Jerome Powell in Jackson Hole on Friday. Uh, but I would be happy to welcome in Tom Thornton from Hedge Fund Telemetry. Tom, uh, it's it's funny for me, the host, to say, but I'm a, a long-time listener, first-time caller. So thanks for <laughs> joining us.
1: Uh, well, thanks for having me, and um, hello to everyone.
0: Uh, I, let's kind of jump into, we've had a, a couple days and a week and to digest uh, the very hawkish short speech from Jackson Hole on Friday. Market reaction was uh, quick to sell throughout Friday. Uh, The market today opened gap down, but tried to crawl its way up to fill that gap. You know, have you digested all this? What are your thoughts?
1: Interestingly enough, that after the speech was released, the market went up and was actually positive on Friday. And then reality sat in and people started to sell. And, you know, maybe it's a little bit, uh, let's say, you have illiquid markets. It's the summer. People were expecting his usual dovishness or at least a hint of some sort of dovishness. And he was direct. And, you know, I haven't been spoken to like that since my dad, you know, took my car away uh, way back when. And it was really what the market needed to hear, because the market has had this false narrative, and a couple strategists have thought that the Fed is on the verge of a pivot just because we had one CPI print that went lower after peaking. And that's all great news, but unfortunately, inflation is probably going to stay relatively high since it usually does and the sticky stuff like wages aren't going to come down especially if the stock market's going up the Fed needs to tighten financial conditions and one of the ways that they do that is that they raise rates they are doing QT and doubling QT uh, starting in September and they don't want the stock market going up because that means wages will stay elevated and unfortunately, the downside risks are and problems are that unemployment is going to go up. You're not going to have the Fed pivot at 3.5% unemployment. That's just ludicrous. And and the thing that, um, again, I think the market really needed to hear that. And we haven't seen earnings come down yet uh, significantly, and I, I've been writing about this. We have had an inflation-induced pullback, but earnings have stayed in in that realm of better than feared, and I think the next stage is going to be when earnings get cut, and it's usually painful because companies will have to guide down, and a lot of companies will surprise the market, and I've talked about how this period reminds me of another period when it's similar and in the Q3 of 2000 and that was the tech bubble was bursting and I showed a chart today that Apple went from 90 cents around 90 cents down to 40 cents on a gap down now everybody can say oh well I was a good buying opportunity but actually those are you know there's some splits in there obviously and it wasn't a really pretty time and at that point also Apple was sort of at risk of they had actual liquidity risk and it's they they've had it for a few years Uh, they didn't have the iPhone yet and once that happened you know Forrest Gump was made whole on his um, long-term hold but the bottom line is we could see some earnings guidance uh, get cut and estimates don't usually get cut by sell-side analysts because they're more reactive and not proactive so I think we're going, we're coming into a period that it's going to be difficult. I'm not necessarily saying we're going to plummet and go lower, but I think we're going to be in a trading range, and I'll make a really wide trading range right now, thirty-five hundred to forty-five hundred on the S and P. I can narrow it down, and I can also come up with a much more dire uh, outlook and and guess of where I think the market could go, and that's closer to you know, with a two handle on the S&P, high two handle, uh, so just under 3,000. But it's, um, it's a difficult market, you, have, you still have uh, rates rising, and that's essentially what the Fed wants. They want rates to go up to slow inflation, which has, you know, you can look at housing is starting to roll over. And, you know, we'll see what happens in the next couple months with the CPI if inflation does come down enough. Uh, I don't think it's going to be enough um, for a lot of people out there, unfortunately.
0: I, I get the benefit of I, – I just read well, most of your daily note that you published right before coming on. And it <laughs> it made me chuckle because you mentioned the Q2 earnings that were kind of themed better than feared. And you wrote, would you go on a second date after a blind date with someone you described as better than feared? Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, it, it really but you're is. absolutely uh, right. I mean, yeah.
0: Oh, well, that their
1: earnings were better than feared. What's going to happen the next time? And it, it's, um, it, it's, it just gets harder. Um, and since the market rallied on those types of earnings, um, the bar is higher going into the next Earnings uh, season.
0: So we 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 saw today. We we're seeing the market. It tried to claw back up and, and fill that gap after that open early morning in the futures. Kind of discuss. You know what is the mentality right now? It is a wait and see because it can not be such a volatile week with the number of data points coming out.
1: Yeah, this week is uh, is jam packed. We have uh, well the the big one is the jobs report on on Friday. There's an ISM in the midweek. It's the end of the month, and it's a summer month, and there are a lot of people that are still on vacation. Um, I wish I was on vacation. Uh, Unfortunately, I didn't take a vacation for more than three days this summer. It's been so busy, but it's illiquid, and that might be part of the big move uh, from Friday as well, just lack of liquidity, and today it just seems like we're going sideways. There just really isn't a lot of oomph to push the market lower or, or even higher.
0: Mm-hmm. So let's talk about maybe a couple of specifics. Uh, you are kind of uh, net short here in general. Uh, but in, in your newsletters, you have been writing about kind of being quick at pulling the trigger, taking gains when you can, because that's the type of market, you, you know, you never know when those gains might get wiped out in this, you know, now that we have the you know that eight and a half minute speech behind us, we know which way specifically the Fed wants to go and how it wants the market to understand where they want to go does that change? Can you go a little bit uh, net longer or excuse me a net shorter here for a longer duration
1: Well my background is i've been always with a long-short hedge fund, and I previously was with uh, a hedge fund that was, uh, we had five billion under management at our peak, and we actually, through the 2000s, we were net short most of the time, and we were always that hedge fund that, we made money every year, even being net short, Uh, and we were that hedge fund that everybody wanted to give us money when the dam bust, and in 2000, seven and eight when it did, uh, we had um, pretty good years.
0: How about, and I know you don't talk a lot about the precious metals, but something did come across your desk today. You were mentioning it before we pressed record. Uh, A little bit of interesting data point that I think most listeners to this podcast will find find pertinent.
1: (laughs) I, I really am agnostic when it comes to looking at various markets and I look at not only the U.S equity markets and all the sectors but I have a top-down macro view I look at currency currencies commodities rates just about everything because I I feel like it's all a puzzle um, so my view on the metals market has been sort of blasé I was really lucky and, and I, got, I was long some gold into the spike with Ukraine and it hit my price target and I sold it and that was fine but I just haven't moved back into it and the problem I found with precious metals is that everyone who owns them wants new people to come and buy them and a lot of people are underwater obviously in these in the last year and so you really don't have any new I guess new money coming into the space and somebody sent me a comment today that the gold miners gdx uh there's been 11 straight weeks of outflows and on the positive note the last time there were there was this consistent of outflows was during the fed's last tightening period in q4 2018 and that was a very difficult market uh, gold miners bottomed in september of 2018 and actually did pretty well despite the equity markets going down twenty percent so i look at demarc indicators and if you ask me to explain how they work you'll lose every viewer listening today because they're very <laughs> just exoteric- just
0: subscribe to the newsletter take it just just subscribe to the newsletter for <laughs> yeah
1: i try to keep it very simple um and, and they're very complex indicators, and I, I know when they typically are going to work and when sometimes you get signals that usually don't work. been using them for 20 years. Uh, I've known Tom DeMarc, uh, who I think's a, a genius. He created these esoteric indicators from his garage in Arizona in the 70s before computers on paper, and then when computers came around, he programmed them, and the rest is history. They they're really... Have done a, a great job, but I'm starting to see buy signals develop in some of the precious metals. Uh, Silver futures has one today. Um, I think I was looking at Newmont Mining that's that has one, but there's another signal that I'm waiting for. Uh, gold, I'm not quite there yet on gold. Let me just pull it up here as I'm looking and talking to you. Um, but I think that it's uh, it's getting to be some pretty dire places here and how far down they've, they've come. And, you know, one of the hallmarks of the last two years is that we have so many new investors in the market and it seems like markets or ideas float around and then they go up and everybody chases them. Maybe like the meme stop stuff or meme meme stock mentality or Bitcoin, where everybody sees green and they want to buy, and mm-hmm. they don't care if it's you know it's musical chairs and the music could stop at any time. It just seems like that's been the the problem. But we need to see that happen with some of these precious metals. Uh, I am I am long some copper. It's not having a great day today, but I got it in a pretty good place. That might be sort of a China related. Idea that if they start stimulating, which they have the ability to do, that might uh, spur some buying there. But right now, I'm I'm trying to find a place where I can get bullish on the precious metals. I just am not there yet. And I'm yeah. I'm happy to be patient, and I don't necessarily want to hold something. If I am I don't have all the signals I want, and I'd like sure. to see a little momentum. And one of the problems also is. And I'm sure everybody trading in precious metals has seen these these little blips higher, and it gives this glimmer of hope, but we just haven't seen follow-through. And that's really what's been so missing from these trades. So I'm, I'm kind of warming up to them. And mm-hmm. generally speaking, se- uh, seasonality gets a little better towards the fourth quarter. So we'll mm-hmm. see if we can get a rally in these.
0: I want to ask you about – you mentioned a lot of in, new investors and traders that have never really had exposure to precious metals or the miners. In the last three years, they've been running and really trading up the tech stocks, No, you know, not knowing that a 75 times PE is really unheard of and ungodly high. But do you think there'd be – could there be a time where – that group of individuals comes back into maybe a value investing role and starts looking at, hey, this gold miner's really been cut in half of its valuation. It's running a 5% dividend. I, is that? Do you think at all that would be attractive to this new, younger crowd of investors?
1: No, not really. I'll tell you why. Because everybody is on Instagram and they're seeing their friends get rich and driving around and mercedes g-wagons and they think that buying B- bed bath and beyond or amc technically Barrett are uh, bankrupt companies uh is gonna, they're going to make get rich off this because of a short squeeze or whatever uh so i honestly i i'm I, I don't have a high regard for those people but i don't really see the true value uh sectors i mean we've had a good move in energy and that's as value as you want to get uh but I don't see people saying, I'm really looking forward to getting a dividend. That just doesn't appeal to people. I do think that will turn around because I, I think that there's a possibility when the government starts taxing buybacks, you could see some movement perhaps with higher dividends. And, you know, the problem I have is I think dividends. Should be tax-free, but um, that's a whole nother whole nother thing as well. But that, to me, would be a better way of returning capital to to shareholders versus buybacks. All
0: right, Tommy, I, I do want to be rather quick with this discussion. Just market commentary. Give us a sense of how you're kind of approaching the rest of this week. We talked about the volatility. Uh, it definitely feels like this market wants to go lower here. Uh, on the back of what Jerome Powell said on Friday, uh, but how are you? How is, has your game plan changed at all? How are you approaching this?
1: Well, you know, it's every day is um, sort of a new lesson, and I've thought that my entire career, where you just you have to be fairly flexible with your positioning, how you see things. If you're wrong, get out as fast as you possibly can because you don't necessarily need to say oh I'm going to make it an investment here you know I bought something higher and it's gone down you know this is the type of market that I've said since the beginning of the year that it's going to be very tactical so you have to take profits when you can because they may not last and if we're going into an earnings recession which I believe we will uh um, if you have some gains take them and the same thing on the short side because you know if you if like, for example we were short in 2007 2008 and you know part of 2009 and there were times that we we had to hold on to a couple of our short positions and for example Bank of America went up 100% in a month and that was really painful i mean we had a big gain in it but we didn't know if that was going to wipe out all of our, our entire gain so it's it, this is the type of market that you can be wrong and get away with it. And when I say that, that means if you size your positions properly, and I have a real distinct way how I advise people to size their positions. Now, hedge funds can do a lot of their own stuff. They're, you know, very uh, sophisticated investors. Sometimes they don't do real smart things, um, just like just like anybody. <laughs> but they're, they're human. T- <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the the point is, uh, I, I size my positions up to 5% max. And that I might start at 2% if I don't have a lot of conviction. And then add if it goes if something goes down, I want to buy more, but I'll bring it up to 5%. And that's it. Most people lose money because they size improperly. And then it, it makes them actually more anxious if you put all your money on black and you see that wheel spinning and that ball drops your heart's racing and you don't you know if you're gonna be rich or poor after that and that's how people get in, in trouble if I'm wrong and I have a 5 percent position and it's down 10 percent or 20 percent it's not necessarily gonna change my entire life or my month and I've been able to have a pretty good year by using that type of sizing. And that's that's really what I what I preach is if you have a moderate size, you can sleep a little better at night. And you may not get rich off that one idea, but diversify yourself and have cash when you need to buy more or if you short more or mm-hmm. buy puts or calls or whatever you do. But, you know, don't go nuts and buy you know X amount of calls that happens to be half of your net worth. that's just you know silly We've seen people blow themselves up pretty quickly.
0: All right. Tom, thanks so much for your time. I hope we can do it again here in the future and um, I really look forward to getting your notes every day and I would recommend it hedgefundtelemetry.com uh, there's a lot of great information and that DMARC... Countdown stuff is. I, I, I told you I'm, I'm getting a little bit better every day, but holy cow, that was that's something else to learn. <laughs> well, it
1: takes a little time, and you know we have other things that we do at the site and um, regarding market sentiment and other things that uh, we find uh, our clients like. Uh, so, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure, and um, talk to you soon.
0: Right. Thanks, Tom. We'll be back tomorrow morning with the morning briefing. Everybody, have a wonderful day.